and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. I'm Carl. And we're back. We're back. And we played a game. We did. Ah, oh, it's and just starting to life be... Life goes on. Yeah, it's just starting to be like light again in the mornings sometimes, but it's not yet sunny enough on a regular basis that it's always light in the mornings. It's often just like gray and rainy. So I'm in the like, oh, yeah. oh, oh it's... it was snowing today. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it is it's March now. It should be starting to should be starting to spring up. But we'll uh, it'll be it'll be a while yet before that like Seattle kind of catches on to that, I think. I miss I miss East Coast Springs where it's like starting to be bright and sunny and everything's got like mud puddles and crazy green everywhere and like all the yeah, flowers. Right now we've got mud puddles, but not a lot of green. Um, and I'm I'm far south enough that spring lasts for about three weeks and then it's just hot and humid. Uh, yeah, and the three I... weeks of spring is like the three weeks where there's so much pollen in the air that it just like sticks to every outdoor <laughs> structure and there's just a layer of yellow dust over everything yeah I, I feel allergies. like i feel like seattle is the same way because it's on the water like there's it doesn't feel like there's spring it feels like it goes from winter really really dark and then like a week or two later it's summer and like i fine i guess but um, spring is my favorite and i miss spring <laughs> Yeah, I like fall. I'm already like, I don't know. I'm already like lamenting how well. hot it's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> already looking forward to Halloween. <laughs> no, um, I have like yeah, fall, no, but it's like just... it's like spring, but starts off warm. <laughs> but it's a it's a season and where everything gets progressively worse, though. It starts off nice, and then it gets colder and darker. I like cold and dark. <laughs> Of course. Also, uh, I mean, the, it's the summers here are like ninety-eight degrees and eighty-five percent humidity, and that's far from better <laughs> to anyone. Like, it's, it's that's enough. not the kind of weather I want to exist in. Summer in Seattle is fine. It gets a little a little too hot some days, but most of the time it's like pleasantly hot. But here mm -hmm. it's just a nightmare. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Anybody play any cool games over the last few weeks? Besides the one we actually played? <laughs> um, I I got Breath Edge, which is... It was pitched to me as... Oh, yeah, I want to know what you think. So, okay. I have mixed feelings about it. Because, yeah, it is like Subnautica in space. But the other bit of... Um, we're going to compare this to another game that I didn't get until I had purchased it was... Plus, terrible, unrelenting Borderlands-style humor. Just jokes one oh. after the other, delivered terribly. So, I mean, I'm still playing it because it is fun to play. But just the constant dumb jokes uh, mm. are really grating. And if you don't have the patience for that, I would I would not recommend it. I would maybe recommend, um, like, watching some footage of it first. It looks like um, Co-Carnage is but, currently streaming it. 
yeah. Um, yeah, I it's, mean, it's, Subnautica it's a fun game, but does yeah. sound, does sound, uh, interesting. Um, that, I mean, I had, I had a very mixed experience with Subnautica as well. So it feels a little bit less, um, open-ended than Subnautica. Like there, there in general are like, explicit goals that you have at all times um and then the goals just kind of move like first you had to get to this this bit of wreckage to see what was there um and then you find out oh there's nothing there so now we're going to send you off to like this other bit of wreckage wreckage that's even further away and you know um, so how increasing scary your is capacity it and stuff like that because like the Not. thing about Subnautica was I was like unreasonably scared for most of that game. <laughs> yeah, no, Breath Edge um isn't scary. Like I haven't encountered anything like alive. Uh so is there so that's is a big there, part of it, I think. Is there the stress of being like constantly about to run out of air? Yes for a little bit. I okay. think like the the second um the second oxygen tank upgrade that you get really helps with that a lot. Um it 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 also doesn't do the thing that Subnautica does where if you run out of air and you're not close enough to the surface you just die. Um with Breath Edge if you run out of oxygen then it will start to eat into your health. Um mm. which gives you a little bit more wiggle room, but it's still it's not a lot of wiggle room, but it it's there, which is a little bit less stressful to me than <laughs> Then like I'm I'm like ten meters away from the surface and I'm just about not gonna make it. Yeah, I think Subnautica does that with your food and water uh gauges, where if you run out of food or water, then you uh you don't die instantly, but you do take damage. But yeah, oxygen kills you. It it actually doesn't kill you as in uh, as instantly as it looks like it kills you, because the screen fades to yeah. black. But you actually have like three seconds after the screen fades to black mm -hmm. that you can still surface and it works, which I thought was a cool yeah. aspect of that game. Yeah, that you is literally blackout. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I finally yeah, finished. I haven't played that much Edge, like a couple hours, but okay, it's, you know. If you can handle the if you can handle the jokes, um, <laughs> go for it. Are we talking like Borderlands one humor or like Borderlands two and three humor? Like two, like three mostly. I think. Okay, it's been a long I, time I'm. Since I any Borderlands one, but I feel like it feel got like more humor, more and more obnoxious. But maybe the humor in Borderlands me. three, I was kind of okay with. I think they're uh, like some of their jokes can be like surprisingly highbrow uh in that game um there was like that everything had to be a joke in borderlands yeah, yeah that's that's more of what it is okay like there was there was one bit where i was look, going around and they're like we need to find part of someone's spacesuit and you go around to like several bits of wreckage and find several um uh, um you know other people who are on this space freighter who have died in horrific ways um but the the constant joke is like you need part of the spacesuit that's on the lower half of the body and they keep like implying that oh we're looking for a penis and it turns out to not be that at all but you have to deal with like subtle 
like, uh, is, is it a dick? No, it's not a dick for, you know, like five minutes, 10 minutes or whatever, until yeah. you find out that you're actually looking for like feet. I see. It's, it's uh, that kind of jokes. Okay. I was going to say we, uh, how can I did end up, uh, buying some of the, the season one DLC stuff for, uh, Borderlands three. And the Psycho DLC has a Plato's Cave joke in it. That's pretty good. Which I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, I didn't think this was Borderlands' target audience, but like, all right, I'm here for it. <laughs> There's a hero's journey in one of the uh, joke in one of the other ones too. So somebody's got some literary aspirations on that writing team. True. Um, but yeah, no, I can see how that might be like a little tedious after a while um yeah it, I, I mean i guess it, like subnautica yeah. didn't have much room for jokes because no one was ever communicating with you for the most part yeah there, like i remember one bit that because like subnautica does have a little bit of that like yeah, a tiny tiny a bit because there's the one bit where like your your pda says your favorite activity is swimming yeah. um, <laughs> And yeah, there's, like, but... the guy who's, like, calling you for rescue who, like, you know, there's a muffled conversation he has with the person behind him who's, like, going out to get lunch about what sandwich he wants. Yeah. Which I found pretty amusing. But yeah. it's, it, like, I, I feel like in Subnautica that kind of thing is a little necessary in order to diffuse tension because that mm -hmm. game is tense as fuck. Yeah. And in this, it's a case of, I wish there was more breathing room between the jokes just to mm -hmm. sort of let things settle and to mm -hmm. like sit in the tension a little longer because it does get, you know, there are some like tense moments, um, but then, then you immediately get a joke at like at the very end of it or in the middle of it sometimes. Come on, just let me, let me experience this, please. Yeah, there was a thing I was watching someone's review a while back of, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they mentioned that, like, not every single one of them, but many of the Marvel movies have this bad habit of um, not letting you sit in sincere moments. Like, every time there's a moment of sincere emotion where the audience might start to feel something, they diffuse the tension with a joke. <clears throat> and it's like yeah. they're not bad jokes but it's like they're afraid to let you feel the emotion <laughs> um, yeah. and so I've been kind of like more aware of that sort of thing lately where it's like is this is this media letting me feel the emotion and like brave enough to let me sit in it and like feel sad or wistful or nervous or something for a while yeah I like to think of it as like it's fine if, like, the player doesn't take the game seriously, but the game has to take itself seriously. Yeah, I think it, you know, it depends on the game um, to some extent, but yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, there's also a lot of, like, not a lot, well, I mean, kind of a lot. There's also definitely some, like, goofy meta humor that they're throwing into this one as well. Um like the way they teach you the crafting mechanic is um most of the the bad humor is delivered via like your spacesuits online you know ai assistant mm -hmm. um 
so when when at the very beginning they're teaching you the crafting mechanic and it's like okay now in order to progress the game you have to create what is it? it's like some something dumb imposed by the developers and you go into your crafting menu and there's literally an item called something dumb imposed by the developers mm. uh, so a little <laughs> like, bit a little oh. bit too meta to uh a little yeah. bit there's not as much of that though but it's still there it's you know it's it's like i'm so conflicted on it because i am enjoying the actual gameplay but you know mm. It, it's it's like the big big caveat of this game is yeah humor games are hard i like i have a there are a lot of games that i've played where i feel like they they try at humor and they fall into like some big pitfall and it's usually either like going to meta when like the game doesn't really isn't really about meta stuff um or it's like leaning too much on reference humor, like references to other games, I feel like are are two of the biggest ones. Or, you know, obviously like incredibly juvenile humor being an easy third. Um, the one I can think of that's like maybe my favorite humor game on the level of its humor was we played um, West of Loathing. Oh, yeah. Like west of loathing is definitely a humor game it's about its jokes but somehow like the humor did not become like tedious or eye-rolling for the duration of the time we played it yeah yeah and i'm still not sure why <laughs> i mean they're just really good jokes for the most part. I don't know. It's a it's a sense of humor that's not like a lot of other games, I guess, maybe. I hope yeah, that Wintermore has it's... the same humor as that, roughly. I think so. I think um West of Loathing veers far enough into absurdism that it doesn't feel like the jokes are stale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, yeah, more... it's yeah, and Wintermore, I think it, it's it, it makes a lot of jokes about things that are relatable, and not in like a hey nudge nudge here's a reference to a thing that you know, but it's like oh yeah that's happened to me or you know I it it it's I don't know it's just relatable and so you can laugh about it. Um, yeah, we we did eventually. Uh, we did also venture far into absurdism in certain cases. Um, that is true, yeah. Which is uh, especially in like the epilogues and stuff, where we just we just took off the reins and went did whatever the fuck we wanted. Um, but the yeah, I think the thing about absurdism as humor in particular is that it's it matches with surprise, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's a it's unexpected. Like the humor comes from whoa, I didn't think that was going to happen, and that like makes it refreshing because you're also constantly being sort of weirdly delighted yeah i don't know i i am i am an absurdist enjoyer so <laughs> i feel like that's our generation to some extent <laughs> yeah it really is uh so i finished uh breath of the wild uh like last weekend i think oh yeah yeah, it's done. I did it. I fought the boss, and I am I am oh, really the it. <laughs> It's uh, I got I had 
I had like a hundred and one shrines at the end and like a hundred and twenty or a hundred and forty something Koroks. Um, which I understand there's like four hundred some Koroks, so uh, you know, not there's not all the Koroks. Nine hundred. Jesus. Is that including the DLC? I'm not sure. Um the I thought I looked it up and it was four hundred something, but it, I, I was like forty-one seeds to max out your stuff. Okay, yeah, I know that if you get all of them, you get like a golden poop. Um, like they literally like it's a joke reward. Which, <laughs> speaking of like eye rolling humor, but um, yeah, it's uh, I I was looking at the uh, exponential expansion of the inventory slot costs, and I'm like, oh. There must be a lot of Korok seeds in this game. Um, yeah. But it's fine. I, I didn't, like, obviously I didn't try and 100% the game. I got a bunch of stuff, and then I looked up some of the stuff that I was, you know, still interested in, in finding. Mostly a lot of, like, where the different clothing locations were. A um, mm-hmm. couple of the shrine quests, just to, because I, I wanted to check them off. Um, yeah, yeah it's a game a, that I wanna. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's it's an interesting game. Um, it doesn't. I think I said before. I don't feel like it feels like a Legend of Zelda game, but I guess you know they wanted to do something different with the franchise. Um, the Huck and I have had a number of arguments now about the uh, the weapon decay system. He thinks it's like completely unsalvageable as a mechanic. I feel like it's fine. It's just badly balanced because things break too quickly. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I I mean, I enjoyed it enough to finish it. So I, I liked it as a game. Um, it's... I don't know why I, I don't feel like... Maybe I just was overhyped on it. That, uh, like, everyone's like, game of the year, best game ever, best Legend of Zelda game. You know, like, it, it had such huge acclaim when it came out that I'm like, was it, though? I mean, like, it's good, but it didn't, like, change my life or anything. I have to wonder how much of that was um, on the back of people at the time having been really disappointed with Skyward Sword. Mm. Um and then there was such a long time between Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild. Um, it, you know, it's difficult to say that they are remaking Skyward Sword for the Wii or for the Wii God for the Switch, which I'm excited about because I never got to play it um, because I never got the Motion Plus thing. Yeah, I had Skyward Sword and I played through the game through like the first dungeon and to the end of the first dungeon, and then I just set it down and never picked it up again. And again, it wasn't like a thing where I'm like, ugh, this is like, this sucks. I'm not interested in it. It just like, it didn't have any particular hook that kept me wanting to play it. Yeah. Um, I think I think the reason that I want to play it is just because I think out of all of the games, I like the art in Skyward Sword the most. Um, really? Just those, that kind of like water yeah. watercolor texture on everything um, that... You know, I I don't think I've really seen that in any of the other games in the series. And it's such a it's such a piddling thing. And I guess also like 
flying around seems cool. Skyloft seems cool. Um, what's yeah, his name? It's... Goose, Goose, Goose. I don't remember. His yeah, name, I don't but, remember. But Bruce, <laughs> I think. Bruce. Um, the yeah, bully. I think. Yeah. I like. I think maybe that one was a case where people were disappointed in it because they wanted it to be Wind Waker, because it really feels like the um, the the whole it's trying to do the whole like, you know, here's a, a big empty map, fly around <laughs> and fill in the spaces and explore. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just really not as satisfying as it is in Wind Waker. It's some combination of like, the flying mechanic is not as satisfying as the sailing mechanic. And I think there's just like less stuff to discover less than stuff. there was. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like in Wind Waker, you're going on the sea a lot. You don't really do that in Skyward Sword. Yeah, there's like some stuff in between, like you can do in between the like going to the surface and going to dungeons, but yeah, yeah I guess that's that's true, but that it, it's it's so funny to me because I remember when Wind Waker came out, people were mad about how cartoony <laughs> it was. So like, mad when Wind Waker came out. I, yeah. I think that's the thing about the series in general is that somebody's always going to be mad at the most recent game, and that's just <laughs> that's just yeah. like mad at or disappointed by or you know um, longing for something more akin to a previous entry, like yeah. I guess that comes from having a series that's that long with such a diverse like series of games. Mm -hmm. Like you've got your you've got your original Zelda stuff, and you've got your 3D Zeldas, and you've got your Game Boy Zeldas, and they all have a slightly different flavor. Yeah, I have I, been I, like wanting to get back into Breath of the Wild, but I I don't want to nuke my previous save file because there's still stuff that I haven't gotten, but mm. I do just want to experience it, get, experience it again. I guess I could do, what is it, hero mode? There are could multiple save files? Are there not? I think you only have one, and then you have a separate one if you start in hero mode, I think. Unless they change that with the DLC. Um, uh, I played a little bit not. after the DLC came out, and I don't, I don't know. So... Yeah, yeah. That's that was always like the thing with uh, Pokemon games for me is uh, like I I would play it again, but I don't want to get rid of my old save file. All my Pokemon are on it. Yeah, it's a real problem. Speaking of which, there was a like Pokemon twenty fifth anniversary like announcements and stuff where they talked about the new stuff and they're making maybe an open world Pokemon game. It looks like from the trailer, and uh, I'm excited. That uh, I'm like I'm here for that. I don't think I've seen. I I've heard about that, but I don't think I saw the trailer. Does yeah, Pokemon good? Legends of Arceus. It's the, it's funny because the okay. trailer is clearly like early footage, so it's got some like janky animations and stuff in it. We're <laughs> like, oh, I'm surprised that Nintendo let them use like footage that's still this early. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you, it looks like it's got like actual action mechanics. Like you have to stealth around in the wild and like actually aim pokeballs at things. Oh, that's cool. I don't know. Maybe it's... I'll actually, maybe I'll actually buy another Pokemon game. I didn't think I was going to be interested in anything. Okay. Except big, big asterisks, Pokemon snap again. But, <laughs> yeah. um, 
<laughs> How's that going with the new Pokemon Snap? I think they also had a trailer for that, and it's like, yeah, it's coming. It's bright it's and coming, vibrant like, and pretty. soon, I think. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. That's the old one. Uh, yeah, it's it's supposed to be coming out at the end of April. So wow. soon, soon, for sure. Yeah, I remember seeing the, the release date and being like, wow, that's uh, soon. Really yeah, coming, I'm out, a, coming at you. I never played the first Pokemon Snap, but it does seem like a thing I would enjoy, so... Oh yeah, get like the Pokemon um, Photo Safari. The, great, great. Basically, yeah, get the um, an N sixty four emulator. It's it's not a long game, um, <laughs> by any means. So, yeah, definitely, I would recommend it if you want to just spend an afternoon on it or something. Yeah, maybe I'll re briefly revive Uncaged Fury and stream it. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one day they will stop milking Pokemon. No, never. They will milk it forever. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if Game Freak knows how to do anything but Pokemon at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm excited. And I'm I mean, excited for Legends of Arceus because I feel like, as a franchise, uh, you know, it needed another shake up, shake up, right? Like it needed another spin off title that's not just something they've done before. And I'm I'm like interested in supporting that. I'm curious what they're gonna do with it. Yeah. I would be, yeah. I mean, it seems like something that I would want to play. So, cool. And it's it's takes place in the, like, far past. So the trailer, they have little wooden Pokeballs with, like, clearly, like, you know, like, pressed in little metal components around the latch. Oh. It's got, like, a straight up, like, little metal mechanical latch on it. It's very cute. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at screenshots now. Like, these old, old, tiny oh. Japanese buildings. Yeah. Nice. And your character has like old timey clothes, and you're you're the idea is that you are like surveying. You're making like one of the first ever Pokedexes, so you're like surveying all the Pokemon in the region, and you have a starter from a different region. So they they the starter Pokemon are three of like you know usual mainline game starter Pokemon's, but they're from three different games. So it's like. Um, oh. It's like Cyndaquil, Oshawott, and um, Rowlet. Okay. Uh, so, which is, it's tough for me between Cyndaquil and Oshawott because I like them both a lot. Or, sorry, Cyndaquil and, um, and Rowlet because I like them both a lot. No one likes Oshawott. I don't know why they chose Oshawott at all. But um, <laughs> Yeah. Might as well just go with Squirtle, honestly. All right. Um. It might be that they might have been picking ones that have dual types at the at the top. Although does maybe I maybe is Rowlet the only one who's uh, who's fully evolved form has two types? And I gotta I look it up. Cyndaquil did, but I might be wrong. Uh, Typhlosion I thought was just fire, but Duot and Samurott. Samurott is water only. Um, and Typhlosion. Oh yeah, Typhlosion is just fire. You're right. Okay, yeah. So it's so it's just the the little little owl, my little owl friend, who becomes Grass Ghost uh, on his final evolution. Guess I'm going with Rowlet then. He is an adorable little owl. I usually like I I tend to be a grass starter person, which is not. Um, I mean, I don't know. 
usually like fire type is actually the best to go with because they're like they're you'll you're less likely to find good fire types in the wild. But I I don't know. I've always I started with Bulbasaur. I've always kind of been tempted towards the grass types. Sword was actually the first one I ever think I think I ever picked the water type starter. Yeah, I I have always gone with fire types and I think I think Sun Moon is the first time. Well, no, I actually I did go with Litten in Sun Moon um and I was disappointed because <laughs> I think I don't know. I just I don't think I liked how it fit into my team. Um mm. And yeah, it's it always sad when you cool. like have to put away your starter Pokemon because you're like, listen, you just don't provide the type coverage I need. No, I never put away I never put away my starter Pokemon, even if it's stupid not to. I always keep my starter Pokemon <laughs> with me. I always have ever since I was like eleven years old. So I can't I, stop now. <laughs> I have an exception if the starter Pokemon is single typed, because I only um I only carry dual types on my that team is, and yeah, I, I will build around fair. my starter if it's a dual type but if it's not a dual type it's like listen i don't have room on my squad for someone who doesn't have two types yeah that's a big that's a that's a big one for sure um maybe that's mean anyway <laughs> should we talk about the game that we actually played yeah we probably yes, can do that out of this pokemon mess <laughs> sorry carl <laughs> yeah uh yeah, so we played bullets per minute. BPM. By did anybody actually pull up the like uh by all interactive. I see. And published by? Yes. Oh no. Uh, Same, I think. Okay. Self-published, really. Um uh, yeah, yeah, look at that. Self-published. Self cool. Good job. Well, good for them. Good job, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, bullets, <laughs> yeah. bullets per minute is a uh, rhythm game roguelike shooter, uh, of which I like one of those things, <laughs> which is rhythm games. Um, I will say I I was pleasantly surprised. I did not hate this game. I did not have a horrible experience playing it, despite the fact that. Uh, who are you and what have you done with Kyle? Well, I mean, I think I had the same reaction to it that I did to Doom, basically. Which is like, in the end, this game is definitely not for me. Like, I'm not going to be, like, you know, spending a ton of time getting very good at this game. Um, but I understand why people would want to. Um, and it does seem like it's, a, like, I, I appreciate how well crafted it is. Because it is very well crafted in a lot of ways. It is very specifically the thing it is trying to be. Um, but the, unfortunately, the thing it is trying to be is very niche. Um, you, you pretty much have to... like it, it leans very hard into the aspects of all its genres. So you pretty much have to be either enjoy or at least tolerate all three of those genres to like this game i feel yeah i think the 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 aspect or the the one third of the genre that really did it for me was <clears throat> i just i don't have the patience for roguelikes <laughs> i yeah, would have loved this same. game i think if it had even even like the barest 
a narrative and turn it into sort of a like low fantasy doom type of thing. Um, yeah, I would have been but, I would have been all about this game if it had even the barest progression. Like, give me yeah. you know one little like as you get items, they're like unlocked and you get to pick one to start with or something. You know, like give me some little tiny rogue light or even a mode. You know, like may maybe have like a hardcore mode and a non-hardcore mode where like the non-hardcore lets me mode and a non-hardcore mode. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, I phrased that poorly. <laughs> Hush. Um, you know, a I don't want to say an easy mode, but like give me a roguelite mode, right? Like where I can have some stuff that I carry through or something, and I would have been all about this. Uh, as it is, like. I, I was kind of expecting the shooter elements to be the part that tripped me up. Um, but I don't know. I like, you know, the, the fact that they were rhythm-based made them a little bit more palatable for me because I felt like um, it required a slightly... Like, I was still bad at the skill set part that I'm always bad at for shooters, but... Um, which is, like, situational awareness and locking on to enemies quickly. Um but I, you know, that what that part wasn't as bad for me as like every time I felt like, hey, I'm doing well, I'm accomplishing something, like I'm I'm really like this is you know this is going and I'm doing a good job. Then then I would die, and it would feel like all of that was wasted. It's like well, there was yeah. no point in that. I guess I just have to start over from the beginning, and that's so disheartening. And like that is the core of roguelikes. So it really is like I had <clears throat> I had a handful of like really good runs where I like ended up with fully stocked on gear. Not all of it was like good gear, but I at least had all of my slots filled and I was like doing really good. I was feeling like I was in the flow and then I just fucked up. And yes, it is my fault that I fucked up, but oh, oh, it's just so painful to lose all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a certain training that you get from other types of games like RPGs where and, and even action games to some extent where it's like if you if you try you know like something might be hard and it might take you a bunch of tries to get through it and get past it. But if you put in the work and you try and at one time you get the right combination of luck and skill and you you know you really push yourself and you push through it then you're rewarded by you complete that thing and you don't have to do it again you don't have to get that right combination of skill and luck again um, because you made it through and so when you're trained on that mentality it it just really makes it hard to click with roguelikes because you don't you never you never have a permanent victory it's always, no, you have to get good enough that you can do that consistently every time. And it's like, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I want that yeah. reward. Yep. Same. Big same. But, man, the, you know, movement feels great. Shooting feels great. And it feels really, really good when you when you get to a point where you can sort of turn your brain off and feel the rhythm well, purely yeah. reflectively yeah. yeah i think and that was is what like this game does really well it's like 
making you feel like you're a badass. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was a... Uh, so I ended up having a conversation with this game with a friend on one of my discords who was... Uh, I didn't like the game because of the roguelike elements, and he didn't like the game because of the rhythm elements, because he's very bad at the rhythm acquisi acquisition stuff. So we were complaining about it and talking back and forth, and then a third friend was like, you know, based on everything you two have said about this game, it sounds really intriguing. I'm going to try it. <laughs> so so then he tried it, and he's good at both shooters, and he's like a musician, so he's very good at the rhythm stuff. And he played it and instantly really loved it. Um, and he he said as he was playing, you know, after he'd played like, I don't know, you know, hour and a half or so uh, in, he's like, something about this game is really relaxing. Like, it feels very just sort of like zen and relaxing to me, which is hilarious because it's a game where you are like, you know, it's it's very much like heavy metal inspired. You're like this Valkyrie fighting her way through like various Norse worlds and, you know, <laughs> completely surrounded by like glowing red monsters and like this sort of thumping bass tracks, which are really good. The music Giant. is, yeah. Giant chickens. Yeah, well, okay. Hugin is definitely the best character in the game. I think we can all agree. Yes. I, I Yeah, I'll, I'll sign off on that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to complain about the Norse mythology here. No. I mean, it's it's not really... I mean, it's I think it's Norse mythology like as interpreted by heavy metal music, basically. Yeah, they're not Which, trying to, like... Yeah be correcting stuff yeah they're mo they're go yeah. definitely going for style over substance uh at least in that that area um there's a lot of substance in the game design so i guess we should like sort of talk about the specifics of how the game is played um basically you start you pick a character for the run and the difficulty for your current run um, you start with two characters available and like uh, you unlock new characters by completing the runs with with various other characters. Um, and then it's uh, is it seven or eight uh, levels? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, I guess nine, including the. Is that, is that really that can't be right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Maybe seven, the final eight, boss counts as one. Yeah. Um, is Helheim 2 a full level, or is it just the boss area? I think there's a full level. Okay, then maybe there's nine full levels, or, plus, uh, hmm. plus the actually final boss. I attention for, you know, for um, but, What's it called? Yeah. Um, oh, no, this is counting the Asgard Crypts. So there's eight. Um, yeah, so there's uh, oh, yeah. each... Yep, yeah, there's, like, um, four different areas... Um, and each one has two stages. So there's Asgard, there's Vanaheim, there's uh, Svartalheim, and there's Helheim. Um, and you, uh, each one, like most roguelikes, you know, each one is procedurally generated. Uh, when you step into it, there's a set of rooms that you can get um, that are, you know, strung together in some arbitrary way. And you, you know, hope you get the good ones. And there are a few special ones that kind of pop up only rarely. There is one extra area, which is the um, the Asgard, or not Asgard. What's the first one? 
uh, is the first one Asgard? Yeah, Asgard. There's the uh, Asgard yeah. crypts, which if you do a special thing, it's kind of like the things they have in uh, Nuclear Throne, where sometimes you can, instead of going forward to the next level, you can like go sideways to a harder version of the level. So if you get the right combination of things, which is like there has to, it has to randomly spawn a staircase uh, in Asgard, and then you can take, if you have a key, you can take the staircase down to the crypts, and then you can fight stuff in the crypts. I don't know much about like what is in the crypts because I got to the crypts once and then died pretty instantly once I got there. Um, <clears throat> so maybe there's something fun or cool at the end of it, but I will never know. Um, <laughs> the uh, and then you so each in in each area there are two basic resources. There's coins and keys. Um, the coins are used in the shop or to activate little shrines that will increase your uh, one of your stats for the duration of the run. There's like six or eight stats. Uh, the ones I always looked for were range upgrades, damage upgrades, and luck upgrades. Um, but there's there's also like speed, precision, um, ability. Hmm? Oh, ability, right. Um, which you have to have abilities, presumably, for that to matter. Um, yeah, or what does ability actually increase? Is it just the power of your, like, special key activated things? I think it's the power of your, like, your Q and E spells. I don't think I ever, I don't know if I ever got any... <clears throat> I mean, like the, like the ones you get from, like, the library and stuff? Or is that different? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's your, like, ultimate. Then you have, yeah. like, a secondary. You can have a secondary spell. Okay. I don't think I yeah, ever I got... got a secondary spell. <laughs> I don't think I did either. I, I got into the library, like, the first time I got into the library and got an <laughs> ultimate, it was, um... Uh, let me see if I can find it. It's, I got Barter. Which is like the most boring ultimate you can get. It just yeah. lowers prices in the shop. And after that, I said, I'm not wasting my keys on the library ever again. Yeah, I did get one that was heal, which seems like really OP, but it takes a long time to charge. I don't think I ever actually ended up using it. Um, yeah, yeah. Really good. Uh, the There's also, so there's shrines. So like keys let you into... Um, like certain rooms uh, and into um, special chests and the chests usually have equipment that you can wear. You have four equipment slots uh, and they, you know, there's a variety of different random equipment that you can get. You can have up to one in each slot, apparently, unless you have a special hat that lets you wear more hats. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the uh yeah, so you can have one of each of those. There's also certain... So there's this, the shrines that you put in um, coin, like one coin, and it ups one of your stats by one. There's also a couple like rare shrines where you put in an undefined number of either coins or keys, uh, and then they give you some, uh, you know, either like really good item usually or uh, like a really good ability. I, um, fairly early on, uh, 
lucked into what may be the best ability in the entire game, which is enemies take damage over time. So as long as you can dodge, everything just dies. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, like you don't even have to do anything. You don't have to hit anything. You just sit there and avoid attacks and everything gradually dies. It was amazing. It was like the first time I ever got to level three. Um, and I, I think I've only been to level three once or twice since then without that item. Yeah, there's a lot of items that's like clearly really, really good. Yeah, there, there's a wide disparity in the the quality, which is fine in a roguelike because that, you know, it's all luck anyway. So it's like, oh, hey, I got the good item this time. Um, as opposed to like, obviously, if, it, if you let people choose it, there would be like two or three items that they would just always pick and then never pick the others. Um, I, there's a glove that lets you just fly, which is one of my favorites. You can you have infinite multi jump. Oh, nice. It's called like the space glove or something. (laughs) Which there's a lot of there's a lot of hidden chests uh, that you can get to by platforming. Um, So if you have this glove, you don't have to do the platforming. You can just fly up to them. (laughs) Although I did get okay at platforming in one of the Asgard rooms. I don't think I I didn't try to platform that much. There's one where there's, like, it's up on a balcony and you have to, like, jump on a broken pillar and then jump on the tops of pillars, like, making your way all around the perimeter of the room to the balcony on the other side. Uh, And it's, like, I think I got there twice and both times the chest was locked and I didn't have any keys and couldn't get the thing inside it anyway. So (laughs) I assume that's supposed to be a good thing, but I've yet to actually be able to open the chest, so... Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the zones it, you start in Asgard, which is red themed and sort of these like it's this I guess like big big castle hall type areas with pillars and you know vaulted ceilings and stuff like that. Um, it's very generic castle. Yeah, it's pretty generic. Uh, then uh, Vanaheim is more sort of overgrown and has like some swampy bits. It's a sort of yellow-green color. Uh, Svartalheim is more like forge-based. It's it's sort of back to the red-orange again, but it's got a lot of like um, heated... A lot of lava. Yeah, lava, heated grates and stuff in the center of rooms. Uh, I, I By the way, I've never gotten past Vanaheim 1. I did get to the boss of Vanaheim 1 and then died because of fucking frame rate drops, which made me so mad. Um, yeah, I, I've had some frame rate issues with this. I, I They got a bit better once I turned on one of the thing in the options, but I've, I still consistently have some frame drops, especially when I start. But anyway, um, so Svartalheim uh, it has a lot of... Uh, Lava and whatnot. And then the last one is Helheim, which is sort of this dark gray, ghosty type look. Um, And I think the last part of that has like a boss rush where everything is uh, sort of spirity, uh, ghosty. I did watch a a speed run of this, so I have seen all of the areas. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, there's a cool ghosty boss rush at the end, and then you fight Nidhogg the dragon uh, to complete the run. Um, so yeah, that's the that's all the stages, and there's a lot of uh, you know like cool hidden secret stuff that you sort of there there is literally zero tutorial in this game. There is no tutorial at all. Yeah. And you are expected to just sort of experiment with things until you figure out how it works. Um, and there's like tool tips that pop up on loading screens and stuff. I didn't even realize there was a dash command, even though it's like there's a control for it in the center of the screen. I didn't realize there was a dash command until I saw a tool tip for it. <laughs> uh, which yeah, is like- It is one thing that I, I have a problem with is putting like pretty small tool tips on the bottom left hand of the screen when there's a lot of times uh, too much shit going on to read any of that. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I missed a lot of that stuff it's, early on. Um, it's a very but, bold you know, decision whatever. to make a game with no tutorial at all. It's sort of like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, like it's a thing you can do, but it, it definitely says something about what you who you are expecting your audience to be right you're expecting your audience to be someone who is already familiar enough with all of these genres that they don't need the basics of a tutorial in any of them and that's like you're really considering how like what a weird combination of genres this is like that's a major limitation in terms of who this game is for yeah, but I, th I think it's fine to do that because, like, it's not like you're going to get people, like, not used to, like, any video games Yeah, coming in and playing, like, this as their first game. Yeah, and it's definitely, like, I think it's that's not the only design decision that's, like basically very clearly telegraphs this game is made for people who are hardcore about this and you know want really want this to be a certain way this is not a game for beginners in any of these genres right like the the fact that the roguelike is like super pure roguelike and doesn't really have any progression except for store credit as you buy more stuff in the stores uh, they will have a greater variety on sale but other than that, like no progression. And the rhythm stuff, the rhythm stuff is where they go the easiest on you because there is a slider in the options where you can basically even turn off the rhythm element if you want. Um, oh, that's that's cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems like, come on, you're expecting them to be hardcore in every other way. Uh, you know, you're not expecting them to be hardcore in rhythm, but you got to give somewhere, I guess. Um and then, and so you can turn up and down the, like, the... Like precision um, required yeah, to hit the yeah. beat? Is that Basically, okay? yeah. Yeah, yeah whatever sense. whatever the term is for that. Um, your, your rhythm awareness, something like that. Um, and, like, the shooter elements are... Like, it's not the hardest core shooter, but it's not like an easy shooter there you can get into rooms where you have you know a lot of enemies and you have to have pretty good situational awareness for some of them 
And I assume, especially in the later levels, they get pretty hard, it looks like. Oh. And, it's, you know. It's the complete opposite. Uh, like, really? Dang. Any run I had, like, past, I think, Vanaheim 1 or 2, I would beat. Really? Oh, oh. that's disappointing. Well, maybe that's a reason I should try hard to get past Vanaheim 1, because... Because honestly, yeah, the same. first boss is the hardest. The first boss the first is, like, boss? insane. Um, the, the, like, I, I, the, the second boss, I, I rarely had a ton of trouble with. Um, and the third boss, I definitely would have beaten if not for that frame hitch. But the first boss, I consistently die to. Um, because of his, usually because of his stupid full screen attacks that you have to like dodge, you have to dash in a direction because I'm usually not facing him. And the, the cue in the center of the screen that is coming is so small and subtle that I don't notice he's about to fire off the attack until I'm like just turning to face him and he's already firing it off. Huh. Maybe, I, maybe I just need <clears throat> to learn to play on a higher mouse speed, but. Um, yeah, that's that is interesting to me. I would have assumed that uh, that it gets uh, it gets rougher as it goes, but you, all right. You get a lot of stuff, and like you become really, really kind of too strong for the game. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Given given how strong certain items are, and how much I was able to progress based on exact having exactly the right item at the right time. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, so that's the basic, I guess, overall, uh, thread of the game. As we say, you, like, unlock characters for completing things on certain difficulties with certain characters. Um, there's also two shops. There's, uh, Hugin, who's the giant chicken, who's the cutest thing. He looks like one of those, like, fat chocobo chicks. Um, and he's mm -hmm. enormous, and he just dances when you come into his shop, which is great. Uh, there's also a robot dinosaur uh, that is the blacksmith. I forget what his name is. Uh, what is uh, Moonin? Could be Moonin. Moonin. Yeah, it should be. Um, and he's pretty cute, too. And he yeah. will sell you guns of different types. Um, I want to have a conversation about the various guns because um, I think there's a really interesting like sort of design case study to be had there. Um, but yeah, so as you after after this shop, so as you go through the shops, um, each time you have a run and you buy something at a shop, it and again the shops spawn randomly just like other other rooms. Um, every time you buy something, you earn loyalty at that shop. And the number of the amount of loyalty you have determines how many items are on sale. And since they're all randomized, you know the the more loyalty you have, the greater chance you have of drawing something good that you really want. Uh, unfortunately, in the weapon store, uh, the first weapon costs five coins, and the second weapon costs like fifteen coins. I don't think I've ever had fifteen coins going into the weapon shop. <laughs> I had a run earlier for this. I had 200 coins at the end. Whoa. Dang. 
Did you have yeah, uh, I, did you um, have an ability or something that was upping your your yeah, like I drop did rate? Yeah, have the ultimate gave me coins. <laughs> nice. Oh, that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. There's also one. No, there's always, like my strategy was always. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say my strategy was always just to dump points into luck whenever I had the opportunity. Yeah, um, that's fair. And that that served me well. <laughs> Um, there's also, uh, we didn't men mention this, but both the bosses and the stages can draw certain, um, like, uh, adjectives, basically, that affect the overall uh, nature of the stage uh, or the boss. And one of the ones I think you can get is, like, it's not like, plen it's something like plentiful, which means you get, I think, more loot drops. Uh, mm -hmm. in the stage. Oh, Bountiful. There's, yeah, Bountiful. There you go. Um, I assume that means you get more loot drops in the stage. I certainly had more coins by the end of that stage. The The plus, the one plus of me dying constantly uh, in this game, I, die, I died so quickly, especially early on, is that I built up a lot of loyalty in the shops and I got to see a lot of variations on like levels and stuff. Um... There's one that's yeah. like frozen where everything has ice physics. Um, there's one that's space where your jump height is like super increased. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah. Low grab. Um, I got that one once and it was it was pretty great. That one was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah I always like when I got that one, I got it a couple of times. And it's like I didn't notice until I jumped and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm in space. Um, yeah. So, and some of them are just like there's infested, which I think you end up with a lot more like of the creepy crawly type enemies, like bats and spiders and things. Um, those mm -hmm. usually killed me pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know, Kelsey. You have like the list there, right? Yeah, I have the list up. Um, so, the level modifiers are uh, barren. Enemies do not drop coins, and reward chests do not spawn. Uh, bountiful, enemies drop more coins. With That's with a question mark, so that might not be confirmed. Um, and different chests spawn as room clear rewards. Castle, uh, the level has a unique vertical room with a cutthroat that fires beams at the player and a weapon box. Guardian and clockwork enemies are more likely to spawn. Dark, oh, I, the level is darker, I, and the player was. must navigate with a flashlight. Yeah, there's, there's a couple. There's... Um, I did see my my because my friend who got into it did stream his play, and he got that castle one one time, and I was like, "What the heck is this?" Like that was interesting. Yeah. It looks like castle, and then there's another one called pitted that has like a jumping like a platformer puzzle room, um, and those are the only two that look like they spawn Unique extra rooms. rooms. Yeah, um, let's see, dark, explosive, frozen. That's the uh, ice physics one. Glass where both the players and the enemies take double damage, um, infested, more enemies, inverted. Oh, this sounds awful. I'm inverted. glad I never got that. What's the inverted? player camera is flipped vertically and the controls are inverted. Fuck that. Jesus yeah, fuck Christ. That. It can only happen in Asgard, apparently. Yeah. Um, minus every enemy that. drops a coin. Um, pitted, that's the one with the jumping puzzle. Retro. Oh, that's a challenge-specific modifier. Um, space and shopless. I got shopless once, and that one sucked, where just the shop doesn't spawn on that floor, which was a real bummer, because I had a lot of coins that run. 
Um, yeah, a lot there's of a, coins and no health so I died. And no bank. There's a, there's a special room that can spawn sometimes that's a bank where you can store coins that so they'll be available on other runs, which is kind of cute. There's also uh, um, a character that I'm you can unlock if you if you deposit a hundred coins. Ooh, interesting. I it have I think I've deposited like, like nine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't deposit very many. I, I only got the bank like once or twice. Um, oh yeah, you get the one of the little cat guys. Um, oh yeah, I think I remember seeing that coins. silhouette. That's cute. The the Let's cat guys it. are the bankers. <laughs> And oh, if you if you play as the cat, um, you get a guaranteed bank every stage except for Helheim one and two. That's Ooh, cool. Nice. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, the different the different um, characters have like the first two just have different guns. Basically, they start with different guns. Um, I I gather that some of the later characters like have different weapons and like special sort of modifiers like the one that they use for the speed run his weapon is like firing energy bolts from his hands so he has no reload time um because you also have to reload your gun on the beat thankfully you have infinite ammo so you can keep reloading otherwise this game would be a nightmare um but yeah. you do have to reload most guns and the number of taps that you have to do of R to reload is based on the gun. Most of them are two or three. Um, but yeah, so the, that, that character has no reload time, um, but he starts with half health and he, his weapon is weaker. It does less damage. Um, which, speaking of which, maybe now would be a good time to talk about the, uh, the different guns and how they feel. Um, because I, I thought it was super interesting. And I did like a little, like, you know, game design 101 type exercise uh, for myself, which was think like, let's think about what are all the ways in which you can make guns feel different from each other in a game? Right. Like if I have two guns, like they have a certain feel to working with them. What are the ways that, you know, I, I control that feel? So it's like obviously the amount of damage the gun does is a huge one. Um, in most games, the reload time is one. Um, precision can be one. Uh, the a big one that I think most people don't think about, but it is like has a huge effect on the the experience is actually like the sound it makes when you fire the gun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because that, that like really can make it feel like light or powerful. Um, in a lot of games you get like the, the amount of kickback it has. So the like time it takes to reacquire the animations of the bullets as they hit. Um, am I missing any? Can you guys think of any others? I mean, um, range, I think, yep. is a big one. Mm -hmm. You can do stuff like, you know, uh, like muscle flashes and effects. Yeah. Also like ammo and stuff. Yeah, and so the thing about this game is that a lot of those things are not available to the designers, right? Like, you can't, you can 
do a little bit of the sound, but you don't have that much ability to change the sound because you like you need to keep the music primary and focused and the sound is sort of, uh, you know, uh, subordinate to the beat. You have to care about the beat. Um, you can't really do reload time because, again, the thing is beat based. So they solved that by having it be reload steps. You have to press the reload button a certain number of times uh, and they have to be on the beat or half beats in, in certain cases. And it's just like, I, I feel like they solved a bunch of interesting problems. Even the like, the damage doesn't change that much. And uh, like the range, because everything is in a pretty confined room, it's not like you ever have like a sniper rifle that you can like, you know, stand on one side of the thing and, and shoot at an enemy far away before they can even get near you. So the range is also like a pretty limited knob. Um, and despite that, I feel like they still did a pretty good job of making a lot of the weapons feel somewhat distinct from each other. Um, I was yeah. kind of yeah. impressed by it. Uh, so good on them. There's some, there's some clearly like very thoughtful designers working on this project. Um, what did I... I think I, yeah. So, and, and especially like the thing I, the thing I realized when I first started playing was like the, the shotgun versus the pistol. Like one of the biggest things that affects my perception of a gun in a game, like say Borderlands is the rhythm at which it fires, right? Can I hold down the button and get a huge spray of bullets from like an automatic weapon versus I have a shotgun where I have like one shot and then I have to like wait for a moment and then I can do my second shot and then I have to reload it, right? Like, so the rhythm of the guns is a huge thing. And again, they don't have that tool here because the whole thing is shoot on the beat. So you you pretty much have to have it's one shot per beat of the music. <laughs> That's the whole point. I did um, like how they got around that with the SMG. Um I don't know if, if you picked up the SMG, you you have like a burst fire for every mm -hmm. beat or half beat, and it does, it's like three quick shots that get off yeah. on the half beat. And it's I liked I liked the SMG when I when I was able to have it. Yeah, it's such an interesting design challenge. Like that's feels like something that um you like a design challenge you would be given in in school, in, in a game design class, where it would be, you know, here are some like interesting and strange constraints that you have, which is it all has to be rhythm based. Now design a weapon system, right? Like that's cool. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else do I have in my notes here? I died a lot. Um, I had, I think like 30 attempts in the first hour or something like that. Which means my my average run was like less than two minutes. That's good. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and uh, the yeah, I guess I didn't take that many notes after the uh, early parts, but it it does feel like 
the sort of game for someone who was is like really good at the Doom combat and wants to kind of take that flow feel up a notch. And it's definitely not a game that's friendly for people who aren't into the genre, I guess. <sighs> so what's what were some what were some good builds or items that y'all got? The shield that lets you regen health. Oh, just over time? Yeah. That that, that seems broken. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely broken. Um yeah, the 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 blessing that lets that just has enemies die gradually over time is probably my best. Yeah, I um it kept giving me what is what is the boots called? The rhythmic chaos boots. Um which is uh, when you enter a new room, it deals damage to nearby enemies every beat for four beats. And then after those first four beats, uh, it deals damage to nearby enemies once every four beats. So it's, I feel like pretty much anything that is going to give you passive damage uh, is yeah. going to be to your benefit. But that one, it, I, think I, I think I ended up getting those like two or three times. Um, nice. And I would always pick them up. The other ones that I got um, that I remember was and I don't, I didn't find like any practical use for these, but there was uh, a pair of boots that when you, after you jump, when you land, there's like a little AOE explosion that generates at your feet. Um, and I was never able to harness that, but I imagine in the right hands that could have been a pretty good. Yeah, they had that fun. item in the speed run. <laughs> yeah. That I watched and they, they did, they were just jumping constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a I got a passive damage one where I had boots that left behind a poison trail. So there was like a glowing yellow trail of slime behind me at all times, and any enemy that crossed over it took damage. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was pretty neat. Let's see, I'm trying to... Oh, okay, yeah. Um, once I got the power shot glove, which lets uh, your shots go through walls... And I think this was before, I don't remember which boss it was, but the boss room had a bunch of pillars in it, which made that boss fight so boss. easy because I just, yeah, okay, yeah, because I just, like, stood on the other side of the pillar and just shot him through the pillar. It was great. Yeah. Worked really well. Not a lot of practical applications um, outside of rooms with pillars, but, you know, there you go. <laughs> It's yeah. all about having the right thing at the right time, so... It really is. Yeah, so this is a game about either being very good at the sort of flowy, like, constantly moving, constantly shooting on the beat, uh, you know, gr great situational awareness, like, steady rhythm combat, or getting very lucky with a few drops uh, early on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of those can two. We, can we talk about how the strongest enemies in the game or the like small flying enemies yes jesus christ like, yeah. and there's it has nothing to do with how strong enemies are in this game yeah there's there's i went to there was one time when like pretty early on i got a um i got a room that was like special challenge mini boss and I'm like, I, it wasn't early on, I guess. It, it, was, it wasn't early on in my plays. It was like early on in a particular run. 
And I'm like, well, this is almost certainly going to kill me, but I'm early enough and I don't have anything that special that I'm like, I I'll try this to see what it is. And it was a giant wasp that dissolved into like six smaller wasps. And I hit those smaller wasps like 50 times and they didn't die. And I'm like, what the actual fuck? Ugh. Were you in range? It wasn't, it wasn't 50 times. I'm exaggerating. But I was like constantly shooting them and they just would not die to the point where like by the time they killed me, I was like, was it that like only one of them is the real one and I had to kill that one? Like what the heck is going on? But it might have just been that, you know, it's a strong enemy and I just didn't didn't get enough shots that landed properly. But I definitely felt like I unloaded like, you know, an entire eight clip from my from my pistol into one of them and they just didn't die. <laughs> Um, but yeah, little little flying enemies, hard to hit. Take like often take you know as many uh, shots as some of the bigger enemies, and like usually fire projectiles, which are the worst type of damage because like that's the hardest to avoid. Yeah, yeah. it's also always really demoralizing when you die. Uh, when you die, it tells you what, what thing killed you. So when you get the you died screen and it says you were killed by a fly or yeah. a baby yeah. bat. like Baby bat. I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing, cool thing they do is like all the enemies also shoot on the beat. Yeah, that that's makes true. It like if you dodge on the beat, they will never hit you. Yeah. There's, yeah, some of the, um... Unless you dodge into another projector. Yeah, or step on one of them, It'll which has it, happened yeah. to me a lot. <laughs> That's the thing about, like, my situational awareness. The number of times I've died because I stepped on a baby spider that I didn't realize was there. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. It's yeah, like, I'm, I'm too busy trying to acquire this flying enemy and, like, constantly, like, turning and trying to figure out, like, where the next threat is that I didn't look down and see this little jumping thing next to the wall just constantly running into me. And now I've taken three hits. And you basically only get four hits in this game. You start with 100 health, but nearly every enemy attack does 25 damage. There are a few exceptions, but that's basically the rule. And so, you know, you basically have four hits and you die. And the you can get some health back, like, in shops and stuff, but your ability to heal, and in, in like, some random drops. Um, but for the most part, your ability to heal is fairly limited. So, you know, don't take more than, more than three hits. Just, sure. Yeah. yeah, like the art style doesn't help you noticing enemies sometimes. There's yeah. a slider. There's a slider in the uh, options that where you can turn up the contrast on various levels. Turn up the contrast. Yeah, I, which I would hope. I think so, uh, or the the saturation or something. I I didn't actually mess with them. Is it maybe it's only you can turn down the contrast? But um, I assumed it was for people who have like visual impairment issues and can't like because it's it's definitely got like a very strong post-processing filter on it where everything is like 
a sort of like thumping neon, like dark neon color. Um, and so I could see how some, like for some people, especially colorblind people, that might make certain things hard to read. And they have it per individual stage since each stage has kind of an, in, like a, a different color filter. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, the, and in the starting in Vanaheim, at least there's a, there are like nest enemies that just spawn those little flying enemies. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is bad. Yeah. I think they can only spawn a certain amount, but yeah. Can Still they? Quite a lot of them. I was I was trying to focus otherwise, and then I'm like huge cloud of flies, and I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> Gotta prioritize. They so in the speedrun video that I watched, they said that like one of the biggest skills that you acquire through long time play is uh, enemy prioritization, like. It's about quickly surveying a, ro a room and knowing what you have to take out first. And I could I could absolutely see that because that really feels like um, just a um, like a, a skill that I was already starting to acquire where it was like, okay, it's got to get rid of the bats first because they fire projectiles and that's the thing that's like most likely to hit me in the back of the head when I'm focusing on something else. So um, the, everything in this game is also very uh, like on theme, I guess. Um, I was just thinking about uh, when you get a new gun, you do like a little air guitar on it. Sometimes you like pat it a little bit like oh a nice gun uh, but like certain guns you'll like air guitar or like drum on it a little bit so it's clear that like the character you're playing is also like really feeling the beat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the air guitar and is after, great after you beat the boss you get like a little like freestyle <laughs> yeah fanfare a couple of times and get a fanfare yeah, based uh, the on the rhythm of shots. Yeah, the first time that happened, I had no idea what was going on, so I just kind of stood there. I was like, I killed the boss, why, why is it still here? And I just kind of stood there for like a full 10 seconds before, maybe I should shoot it again? Yeah, I had a similar experience. Would... <laughs> Where I'm like, but, is it is yeah, it once, broken? Once it's just standing it, there? And then, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, you, you shoot it five times and it plays one note on each shot. So you get to kind of control the rhythm of the little fanfare. And it's like, that's that's cute. That's on point. Mm -hmm. And the, the enemy shots being like on the rhythm means that they kind of add to the music of the thing that you're. Uh, the, of the song you're listening to, and it's a different song every stage. So, and not just every world, but like even the, the two stages within the worlds have their own song. So, you know, you get a bunch of, I don't, I don't actually know what the, uh, what the genre of this music is called. Um, because I'm not very up on my various like rock slash metal subgenres, but it's, uh, it's cool. 
it's very suited to the overall aesthetic of the game. They all, uh, I, I do love it when a game like has a, has a, and I've, I've said this like dozens of times on the podcast, but when a game has a theme and it like, or a tone that it's going for, and it commits to that and like really shapes everything about the game to that, to that theme or tone. And I feel like mm-hmm. this game does a great job of that, right? Like the music sort of, and the, and the feel of that music is the theme and every every mechanic and every visual in the game is is built around that. Yeah, yeah, very, and it feels very rad. Focused. Yeah, you as as Carl said, you feel like a badass for pulling things off because you're doing it like to this badass music. And then you like shoot off beat, and you go like no 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 no, and you keep shooting off beat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Does the does the multiplier that you get for shooting on beat actually control anything other than your score? There's an item you can get that increases damage by multiplier, but other than that, I think it's just score. Okay, I would have liked it if the multiplier actually increased your damage. I feel like I would have done a lot better at this game. Because <laughs> like, I can get a high multiplier, that's not really the problem. The problem is I'm bad at shooters. <laughs> And this game requires me to be very good at shooters, in addition to being good at rhythm games. Yeah. You need to get the auto-aim item. Yeah, I think I did get that once. Um, surprisingly, it didn't help. I think what it is is I just need to learn to operate at a higher mouse speed. Um, because my, you know, it takes me too long to turn and acquire a target. Um, but I'm just not comfortable at higher mouse speeds. Like, I find it disorienting. So. But it's, you know, it, despite all that, despite me being very bad at it and my average uh, run being, um, you know, less than two minutes long, um, I, you know, I enjoyed my time playing it. I did get that zen feeling out of it. Where I'm like, oh, like, I expected this to be very stressful and i do find myself like you know clenched and leaning to the side (laughs) like despite the fact that that will not actually help me avoid projectiles (laughs) um and you know all of the sort of like high tension immersion um that you get with you know high high octane shooters but i did not feel the stress that i normally associate with that um because i you know it's like you're not you can't go faster than the rhythm anyway, so just just feel that rhythm, and that really puts you in a certain mindset that helps you not panic in a certain way until, as you, as Carl says, you fail at the rhythm, and then you're like, ah, shit, shit. Yeah, I did find a myself breather sometimes. After... Oh, taking yeah. a breather sometimes really helps in the middle of combat. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I did find myself after having played for, you know, like a, a longish stretch of time, like I, I got up and I went out to the kitchen to get another, you know, fill up my water or something. And I was like, do I have a headache? Like, I think I, I'm like developing a little bit of a headache from this. Hmm. Um, it went it went away. So that's fine. I, I think I was just a little to... too clenched in. Yeah, fair. Um, I thought you were going to bring up, I had an issue where uh, I had been playing for like a couple hours and then I 
closed the game and went on to like a, you know, my browser based dragon game that I play. And I was trying to click all the things on the page to the beat. And I'm like, there's, there's no beat. It's only in my head now. <laughs> you live and die by the metronome, baby. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Any, I guess any like closing thoughts? No. Good game. This Good game was, overall. Um, I, I, very niche. Yeah, like was... very, very much made for a very specific audience, but very well tailored to that audience. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was pretty much exactly what I expected um, for better or for worse. I probably won't play much more of it, but I'm glad I did play it. So there's that. Yeah, it's, um, it was, as I say, it was interesting to me that I really thought the shooter was going to be, the shooter aspect of it was going to be the, the thing that ultimately turned me off from the game, but it wasn't. It was the strictness of the roguelike elements that ultimately yeah. <laughs> turned me off from the game um, because I'm just, you know, I'm not into that kind of uh, like loss of progression, uh, which is ironic considering the next game that I suggested. <laughs> Bam! Segway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the next game that we're going to be playing uh, is the 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 new and hip, up and coming Loop Hero, which uh, I gather, like Carl, I think you said you've watched some people stream it a bit. I've seen people stream it. I haven't watched any. Um, I I know uh, Sean Sean Plotz streamed it recently. I think I watched about five minutes of a video before we started recording, just because I wanted to try to get a feel for it, and it did not help. Um, yeah, I watched so a little that. bit. I watched a little bit. I watched the trailer, and uh, the dev was was streaming it. I think on Steam at the time, or someone mm -hmm. was, um, but I think it was a dev. Uh, and so I was watching like a little bit of that. And it looks like it's a roguelike where there's a sort of automated system where you have um, a little character that runs around on a loop and fights monsters. And you don't control the fighting. The character just fights automatically. But you control like building the world around the loop such that it will have different effects on the hero and the combat. Um, and uh, I think you in, like you also uh, like equip the hero and things like that. So I don't know. It looks and it does look like it has some persistent elements from playthrough to playthrough. So I guess we'll see. Uh, you know how that feels and how that affects it. The thing I've seen most often about people talking about it is that it's one of those like really compelling games where you're like, oh well, let me let me just do one more because I think I could do better this time or I think it'll be more like this or something like that. Um, so we'll see if it is uh, if it is as compelling as they say. Um, it's interesting I was I was trying to because uh, it was uh, my husband who Huck who suggested that we play this um, and I was having a conversation with him about why like why I'm less intimidated by a roguelike that's not action based. Um, and it was that conversation that I was, the, the point I was saying before, where I feel like with action games, you have that one perfect moment of like the synergy between your luck and your skill 
that come together that you complete, you know, the challenge that you're trying. Whereas if it's a game that's not action-based, where it's just about decision-making, I feel like I can be consistent in my decision-making. Like, I can, I can make consistently good decisions every time, and then it's just a matter of playing it until you get the right luck. Um, so for whatever, for that reason, also, I, I guess I find them less intimidating. Yeah, it's also a lot harder to panic um, yeah. and to, you know, make mistakes due to panic when you're not yeah. in an action in an action based game. Yeah. Which is always always a problem for me. <laughs> yeah. And you you don't like you're not constantly thinking of like, oh shoot, if I mess up, it's back to the beginning. If I mess up, it's back to the beginning. Don't mess up. <laughs> right? Like um because it's yeah, it's a little bit more I don't know, focused, I guess. Uh so yeah. Loop Hero. We gonna try it, and we're gonna see what we think. It's uh, currently, um, I think, and actually for the next several days still, it's fifteen uh, percent off on Steam. Um, so if you're listening to this before, I think March eleventh, twenty twenty one, then uh, let me verify that quickly. Uh, then yeah, you it's, should it's March eleventh. Be... You got it. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. So if, until March eleventh, you can get it. It's it's only fifteen percent off, but it's only a fifteen dollar game. So you can get it for twelve seventy four if you want a slight discount. Um, yeah, it's it's the launch sale because this game came out uh, last week. Yeah, so I guess so that's why everyone's new. streaming it because it's new. Yeah, yeah. We never play new Getting games. It'll be exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Getting in on the ground floor. So it is uh, developed by Four Quarters and published by Devolver Digital. So we'll see what we think, I guess. Yeah. You can, uh, if you if you have been playing this and have uh, strong thoughts or, or want to play it and have, you know, a strong experience that you want to share with us, uh, you should come on the podcast and be a guest next time and, uh, and share your thoughts with us because we love having guests. Yeah, you can, um, yeah. You can find our Twitter. I guess I guess I'll do plugs now. I think yep. you were I think you were leading me into a segue there. Uh, yep. You can find our Twitter uh, on Twitter, of course, at Feedback Force, and there you will also find a link to the Discord, which you can join the Discord and have a nice little talky talk. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I don't know why you would want to, but you can at Kelso Time Bomb. Uh, you can get to me on Twitter uh, at Kyla underscore Go. Um, or you can follow the game that I worked on at Wintermore TC or Wintermore Tactics Club. Also available on Switch, uh, Xbox One, PS4. And yeah. Steam. And my Twitter is at Skug3. And thank you for joining cool. us and listening to the podcast. We appreciate you. Yeah. And we'll be back in a couple weeks, probably. <laughs> and we'll see you then. All right, bye. Bye.